0: Hey there! Welcome to the Matt Watch That podcast. I'm your host, Matt Sarosky, filmmaker, film fan. Each episode, I'm going to review a movie or TV pilot that I probably should have seen but never got around to. It could be a recent favorite, Critic's Choice, or Cult Classic. Everyone can join in on the fun. Follow me on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Matt Sarosky. You can subscribe to my YouTube page where I'll post videos and clips from the show. If you have any opinions on what I've reviewed or suggestions as to what I should see next, use the hashtag MattWatchThat on social. Before we start... In reviewing this week's series, I was reminded how in the 80s, it seemed that every sitcom had a lengthy title sequence with an original song that related to the premise of the show. And I have to admit, there were some good ones. Cheers was the first one that came to mind. Sometimes you want to go where everybody knows your name. Exemplified when George Wentz's character would walk into the bar and people would shout in unison, Norm! The theme song for The Greatest American Hero, Believe It or Not, was a top 40 hit on the Billboard Hot 100. It was composed by Stephen Geyer and Mike Post, the latter who produced the album Van Halen 3. You know, the one with Gary Cherone. Then there were a string of family sitcoms that featured original theme songs. How many do you remember? Family Ties, Without Us. Growing Pains, As Long As We've Got Each Other. Who's the Boss, Brand New Life. Family Matters, As Days Go By though the first few episodes used Louis Armstrong's What a Wonderful World. But the one that endures has to be Full House, Everywhere You Look, which a whole new generation discovered with Fuller House. Now I know what most people are probably thinking. Matt, what about the Golden Girls? In doing some research, and yes, I do research, the song Thank You for Being a Friend was recorded and released as a single in 1978, seven years prior to the debut of the series. As it wasn't written specifically for the show, that's why I left it off. It's a shame that the practice of title sequences and theme songs are gone from most series. Of course, this was due to money. The affiliate sales team wanted to sell more commercial time during successful series. If a theme song was one minute, that's two 30-second spots they could have sold to advertisers. But that's why we have streaming services, to enjoy these nostalgic things. And no, I don't skip intro. If you have a favorite original theme song from the 80s, let me know using the hashtag MattWatchThat. On to the main attraction. Each review will end with a ranking out of five stars. One star is Skip It, two stars Watch at Your Own Risk, three stars Standard Fair, four stars Worth Checking Out, and five stars Must See. Now if I give a title five stars, it doesn't mean I'm comparing it to Casablanca, Jaws, or Seinfeld. I rank titles based on other movies or TV series in that genre and at that time period. So let's jump into it. I'll keep the spoilers to a minimum, tangents to a maximum. These are my ruminations and observations of the pilot episode for BoJack Horseman from 2014. It was created by Raphael Bob Waksberg, who also wrote the first episode. He's an actor, comedian, screenwriter, and producer. The pilot episode was directed by Joel Moser who helmed Big Mouth, Triptank, and Brickleberry. Now a little trivial trivia. The series was produced by the Tornate Company, whose CEO, industry veteran Michael Eisner, suggested that the lead animated character should be a former racehorse instead of a human sitcom actor. Bojack Horseman was the star of an 80s sitcom, Horse and Around, about a bachelor horse who agrees to raise three human children. The show was never a critic's darling, accused of being broad and not good, but it found an audience and aired for nine seasons before being canceled. But that was 18 years ago. So what has BoJack Horseman been up to? The titular character is portrayed by Will Arnett, who starred in Arrested Development, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, and voiced Batman in the Lego movie. BoJack has fallen on hard times. Between downing vodka and pills, he's watching reruns of the series, living on past glories. He's pretty self-absorbed, but is self-aware enough to know that he can be considered a has-been. He's attempting to revitalize his career by writing a memoir, BoJack Horseman, The BoJack Horseman Story, written by BoJack Horseman. He meets up for lunch with his editor, Pinky Penguin, from, you guessed it, Penguin Publishing. The company is in financial peril after they spent all their money marketing a book series that bombed. The electricity has been shut off, and he can't even pay for the meal. He's not in a good place. Pinky is played by Patton Oswald, who's known for many voice acting roles, including Remy from Ratatouille, and of course his stand-up comedy specials. He needs the memoir to be a bestseller to save the company, and Bojack keeps missing deadlines. He suggests that a ghostwriter should be used, and gives him the contact information for Diane Nguyen, but Bojack promises that he'll have pages within a week. Naturally, he doesn't work on the memoir, opting to hang out with his house guest Todd, his parents kicked him out as a teen and he had nowhere to go. He sleeps on the couch and doesn't pay rent, but keeps Bojack company. Todd is performed by Aaron Paul, who is in Breaking Bad and Need for Speed. I saw him in an independent movie with Josh Wiggins called Helion. Really solid. He's also a producer on the series. As a side story, Todd sold Ecstasy on a drug cartel's turf and got worked over by its crew. They lost so much revenue because of this, that the boss can't afford a haul for his daughter's birthday, so Todd is trying to convince Bojack to throw a party at his house. This does play into the episode later on, you just have to trust me on this one. So Bojack goes out to dinner with his girlfriend, Princess Carolyn, who dumps him because she's thinking about her future and he avoids talking about their relationship. He's afraid of commitment and she wants to have a baby. This is my odd TV observation. What species would the product of a horse and a cat be? A bouncing baby feckwis? An equiline? Anyway, Princess Carolyn is portrayed by Amy Sedaris, whose filmography includes School of Rock, Elf, and the series Strangers with Candy. The pressure overwhelms Bojack and he has a mild anxiety attack. Princess Carolyn and Pinky Penguin persuade him to call the Ghost Rider to reduce his tension. Todd convinces him to throw a stress-free party and invites Diane Newwin. She's played by Allison Brie of Community and Mad Men fame, but my favorite role of hers was in Glow, such a great series. She was also really good in a supporting role in the independent feature The Kings of Summer. Also making an appearance at the party is Mr. Peanut Butter, who's a sitcom rival of BoJack, and things get complicated when it's revealed that he's dating Diane. Here's a quote without context. That was my intention! Bojack Horseman is a show I'm going to continue to watch and update listeners as I get further into the series, because right now, I'm kind of on the fence with it. I was amused, but there are shows that I watch and can't wait to see another episode right away. This one falls into the, I'll get to it category, but it's been on for six seasons and my friends have all raved about it. They say, just stick with it. After episode five, it gets really good, but it's not on the viewer to be patient It's on the creator to give us a reason to continue watching. I feel like they took the life story of Bob Saget and made him a horse. There is no explanation as to why he's an anthropomorphic horse. I honestly don't care. I just wanted to see if I can get an outtake of me mispronouncing the word anthropomorphic. Damn, two for two. It has a bit of a nostalgic factor to a time when sitcoms had lengthy theme songs, storylines were wrapped up in 30 minutes, characters were one-dimensional, and it was filmed in front of a live studio audience. They even included cliches from 80s sitcoms within the present plot, which is a nice added touch when you spot them. The humor ranges from silly to subtle. I wouldn't call it a laugh riot, but entertaining enough. Some of the jokes are put out there and moved on from, so you don't really have that long to process it. The voiceover work is pretty good, too. This is something to look out for. Or here, Other actors contributing their voices to the show are Adam Conover, Keith Oberman, Dietrich Bader, Kristen Schaal, J.K. Simmons, and Stanley Tucci. The animation was created by Shadow Machine, whose clients include Moral Oral, Final Space, Tuca and Birdie, and Robot Chicken. The main theme was written and played by Patrick Carney of the band The Black Keys, along with his uncle Ralph, who had a long-standing collaboration with Tom Waits. The end credits song, Back in the 90s, was performed by Group Love. The incidental score was composed by Jesse Novak, who wrote the music for The Mindy Project, Tuca and Birdie, and Superstore. The soundtrack features songs by Tegan and Sarah, Nina Simone, Foxworth Hall, and many other independent artists. The episodes run around 25 minutes each. It was on for six seasons, 77 episodes from 2014 to 2020. It was nominated for three Primetime Emmy Awards. Ultimately, the episode comes down to Nailing It, Alternative Lifestyle, Naue Jose, Emily Mortimer, Cotton Candy, The Swamp Monsters of Malibu, Child Protective Services, Quinceañera, and Starting Now. I give it 3 out of 5 stars for now. If you've seen BoJack Horseman and have opinions on the series, let me know what you think using the hashtag MattWatchThat. Moving right along, each episode, I'm going to post clips that I think people should watch. It could be movie trailers, music videos, interviews, or something completely random. Search for my YouTube page and there will be a playlist called Matt watch that Playback. As I mentioned in a previous episode, My family would record concert specials on VHS tapes, and I would watch them religiously. Sick from school? Put in a tape. Nothing on TV? Put in a tape. Brother kicked you out of a room? Put in a tape. Not only did I enjoy the music, but analyzing the pace of the set list, the lighting design, the stage layout, any knowledge I could absorb. One of my favorite live performances was Fleetwood Mac in concert, The Mirage Tour 1982. It was the height of their internal conflict, the McVees had divorced, and the relationship between Stevie Nicks and Lindsey Buckingham had broken down, but it created a dynamic show. The highlight was the song Sisters of the Moon. While it was a single off their album Tusk, it failed to make much of an impact on the charts and didn't have the pop sensibility of their other successful tunes, but on this night, it was one of the most enigmatic performances I've ever seen. And when Stevie next starts speaking in tongues, yeah, you heard that right, it's taken to a whole new level. Now, I don't want to speculate or anything, but drugs might have been involved. It was a pretty emotional time for Stevie, outside of the increased tension between her and Lindsay, which would lead him to leave the band. Her best friend since the age of 14, Robin Anderson, had died of leukemia, so she wasn't in a good state of mind. Despite all this, The concert is intense and dark in some places. The musicianship is on full display. The vocals and harmonies sound great. Fleetwood Mac was a very unique band with three lead singers who wrote massive hits. How many bands can say that? And Mick Fleetwood and John McVie are a top five rhythm section for me, and one of the reasons why I'm a drummer and bassist. This clip is available in the Matt Watch That playback playlist on YouTube. Check it out. Now it's time for the recommendation. Yes, that's the word recommendation with Matt in the middle. I'm going to end each podcast with my own recommendation of a movie or TV series. Today I'm talking about Mud. It was written and directed by the talented Jeff Nichols. I had been a fan of his previous films, Shotgun Stories, and Take Shelter, so I wanted to show my support for his career by seeing Mud in the theater. This was during the period where I was solely seeing independent movies. It was my favorite thing to do on a Sunday morning, go to a matinee. The theater was as clean as it was going to be. Most people were at church, so it was me and a handful of film fan degenerates whose cell phones were on vibrate. It had such a strong cast. Matthew McConaughey, Reese Witherspoon, Sam Shepard, Sarah Paulson, Michael Shannon, Joe Dom Baker, Jacob Laughlin, But the breakthrough star was Ty Sheridan. It's one of the best young performances I've watched on screen. I'd first seen him in the Tree of Life, but didn't make that connection until I looked up his filmography, because that was a few years prior. He did a lot of independent movies before starring in mainstream hits like X-Men Apocalypse and Ready Player One. He has Oscar potential in his future. I would love to work with him. I think he's an amazing talent. Mud was filmed in Arkansas. You could almost feel the humidity. Lots of shots of the Mississippi River, forests, houseboats. This was one of the first movies that got me interested in seeing different locations on screen, because what I was watching is American, but also very foreign from my own upbringing. It was critically acclaimed and did well at the box office. It's a rare recent movie that I actually have on Blu-ray. I highly recommend. Jeff Nichols will be writing and directing A Quiet Place 3, taking over for John Krasinski. That's all for this edition of Matt Watch That. Thanks for listening to me babble. You can follow me on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Matt Sarosky. You can subscribe to my YouTube page where I'll post videos and clips from the show. If you have any opinions on what I've reviewed or suggestions as to what movie or TV pilot I should see next, use the hashtag MattWatchThat on social. I plan on having interactive elements, so follow, subscribe, and like for all the latest news, updates, and polls. Until next time, whenever you're ready. Now now it's time. Now it's time to clear your throat. Jeff Nichols will be writing and directing A Quiet Place Tree. Good job. About a bachelor horse who... About a. Ba- <laughs> I feel like I'm saying whore every time.